Hey everybody, it's Mallory Smart, your host. Welcome to a special edition of Textual Healing, where we explore the fascinating intersection between writing and music, and for today, the open road. That's right, road trips! Nothing gets a writer's mind moving more than a good adventure and soundtrack to go along with it. I'm joined by Sean McCallum, author of The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life, as we geek out about how formative certain road trips were for us as writers and the sometimes lame music that we listen to during them. We go all the way back to our college years to now, the bro times, to the hipster times, all the way to the fine, upstanding adults we are now. By the way, when I say bro times, it's pretty safe for you to assume that those moments weren't mine. But we both went through intense car mishaps. Motor oil would have nothing to do with this accident. True, but you can't latch the hood too well if you don't take the can out, you no-selling waste of space. Lack of direction and planning. You're going the wrong way! What? You're going the wrong way! And, best of all, weird friends who joined us on our twisted adventures that somehow led to us becoming writers. I have to go home. Count the headlights on the highway. You are home. Maybe tell me she's the So, without further ado, Sean and I are just going to jump into it. All right, here we go! The whole idea of road trips and music and literature, it's like a... It's, it's just like, um, they all intertwine. And so, I was so glad you reached out because um, it's such an integral part of, I don't know, who I am and I think who a lot of writers are and... Not a lot of people talk about it necessarily, so let's uh, let's do it. I mean, I was going to say, some of your writing has been compared to, like, Kerouac and everything. That doesn't surprise me that you'd be into this. <laughs> That's right. Although, it's so funny. I mean, I, I definitely want to talk about some of your favorite um, road trip books, road trip movies. And mm. as I was going through my list, I was amazed that there are way fewer road trip books than I thought there were, and there are way more road trip movies than maybe I thought there were. So, oh yeah, road um, trip movies are pretty big. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and I also noticed all of the road trip movies are like fun, happy um, comedies, and They're most of the road trip weird comedies. Yeah, and then most of the road trip books are like people escaping from something and trying to hide from something. And, um, not quite the same level of joy uh, as, as maybe the movies. So <laughs> it's an interesting thing to consider. I don't know the answer to, to why that is, but that's just what I noticed as I was going through my lists. I remember before I actually committed to um, really being a writer because I just had no idea who the fuck I was then. I'm still not sure. Um, <laughs> I was on, uh, I, I was just back from a, road trip from New York talking to a writer who did not become a writer because she thought I wasn't going to make it, so fuck her. <laughs> but um, we were talking about a book that I actually had in progress, and it was a road trip novel, and she's like, it's a phase. You're going to grow out of it. And I was like, bitch, no. <laughs> Growing out of what, the writing or the road tripping? The road trip thing. And I was just oh, like, never. never. Like I was going to be like, I just drove through the mountains in a blizzard. 
to get here. <laughs> right. Like, no, this is who I am. So let me ask, did you guys do road trips when you were growing up? Was that sort of how you guys did uh, family vacations? Oh, God, no. Um, no. <laughs> I am the youngest of five kids. Um, that'd be yeah. very hard. <laughs> yeah, in a bus. Um, we drove a station wagon, and I don't mm-hmm. know. I guess I'll explain this to Gen Z audience um, because they probably don't understand station wagons. I don't think they see them that much anymore. I don't, no. yeah. Me and my brother would have to sit in the back, you know, that was facing the other facing direction. Facing back? Oh, that was always my seat. I love that spot. It was the best, especially, like, if we did, like, drive-ins and shit. But yeah. road trips? No. I think the furthest we ever did was, kids, like, yeah. Wisconsin. Oh, really? I'm from Chicago, if that, like, helps yeah, yeah. better. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a day trip, right? You can do that in a day. Oh, yeah. I did. Back when I was a kid... That felt like, holy shit, we're going to go on the road. But now, like, a day trip, like, my fiancé and I were just talking about it. And we're like, do we want to do a weekend trip really quickly to, like, Minneapolis? Or, yeah. I don't know, let's try if we, like, go for South Dakota. Yeah, really. You can go anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're in the back seat, which is where I always sat, which is great as long as you don't get rear-ended, which we never did, which was lucky. Um, but yeah, when we, like when we were growing up, I've got, I'm the oldest of three. So I got a younger brother and a younger sister. Like my parents never had any money to do anything. So if we were going anywhere, we were driving and it was not like because of the thrill of the open road. It's just cause <laughs> that was the only way we could go anywhere. Um, so we just, we always, we were always driving somewhere and my dad's car was always breaking down. So that was just like, <laughs> it was like, if you're doing a road trip, you got to, you know, factor for a couple of extra days when trying to get the car fixed so that was sort of what my uh wanderlust was born out of um amazingly even though um we went through uh, some adversity on those trips my dad's car running out of gas all the time and breaking <laughs> down and these things happen but somehow still managed to, to fall in love with the the method of of seeing the world that way so yeah it's just it's sort of all i knew growing up and still enjoy it to this day so how okay frequently would you say you go on road trips? Well, it's a little different now because I've got two kids. Uh, Come on, you got to go Clark Griswold on ten. Them. We have a hundred percent done the Clark Griswold thing. We uh, so we'll do a road trip at least one a year, typically in the summer. Um, you, you talk about Clark Griswold when we were, I guess this was about four years ago, just b- the year before COVID, so two thousand nineteen. Um, I live in Toronto. We, um, we're, we did a little week long trip down to the Jersey shore and, um, it's, uh, much more cost effective to buy electronics in the U S than it is in Canada. So, um, my wife uh, had her eye on this giant TV. So we like, uh, as, as we were leaving to come home, we bought this TV and I've got like a, whatever it was, a Subaru and, uh, we just put it like in the hatchback and it was over top of the kids heads. They like had to bend down and they like for, for 10 hours of driving, they had to have this giant box over their head and just terrible parenting, but we needed to get a good deal on the TV. So that was, uh, that was sort of the, um, the Griswold esque most recent road trip trip we did with our kids. But to be fair, yeah, you, you gave them something to write about now. Oh yeah. No, there's, I mean, this is, something that years of therapy will not be able to uh, take care of for them. So, 
Um, yeah, I remember we did. My, my, my brother-in-law lives in Memphis. We drove down to see him one time. It's about like a 15-hour drive. And I think we were – my daughter was not even two at the time. We're trying to potty train her. So it's like mm. every every hour you pull off to the side of the road and get out the potty and make sure she goes and <laughs> get back on the road. So, yeah, we've done we've done some things on the road. We're, we're trying to instill that, that same um, feeling of um, dysfunctional – family on our kids as, as I grew up with. <laughs> and that starts with road trips because everything goes wrong. Oh, seriously, I don't think I've had a road trip where things went smoothly, so. No, you wouldn't want, that'd be boring. Nobody wants to hear about your good time, you know? They want to hear about when things go wrong. Like, I, I am serious. I have been caught in flash floods. I have been in the mountains and blizzards. My fiancé was saying, he was just like, oh, Road trip story. Say how you ruined my car. And I was like, fuck you. We're not discussing that because I still, I don't think it was my fault. Something Uh, was in the middle of the road. We're in Tennessee, quite ironically. And it was pitch black and it was like a back road and I hit something. Um, It's not my fault. Yeah. These things happen. Yeah. The one, well, two things. One, I know, I think it's um, Yvonne Schwinnard, who's um, one of the founders of Patagonia. He's famous for saying it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. And, that is extremely true of road trips. Um, I, I know the one growing up that my family still talks about. We uh, we eventually wound up getting like an old Winnebago, like in like in <laughs> 1978, full on cousin Eddie uh, Winnebago, and we were, I think we were down in Virginia Beach for the week, and we were driving home, and I was like a big baseball fan, still am, um, and I, I really wanted to go to Tiger Stadium, so we're trying to like make it through Detroit or to Detroit in time for this Tigers game and as we're coming into Detroit uh, we hit this giant pothole on I-75 and the tire exploded and hit the gas tank and the gas tank exploded and we were literally on the side of I-75 during rush hour with our Winnebago burning to the the ground it was just like (laughs) like straight out of straight out of something Clark Griswold would write up so yeah this is why there are more movies and books because it's like so visual (laughs) it really is there was like guys in 18 wheelers pulling over and trying to dump like their their bottles of water on the uh, (laughs) on the flaming RV it was just a nightmare they had like four or five fire trucks block off the whole road it was just like <laughs> it was it was quite a scene oh you had to be so. the embarrassed family that was like ruining the drive for everyone else oh my it was unbelievable so i apologize to anyone who got stuck in traffic like back in 1992 um oh home. yeah they're definitely listening yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> this uh this podcast casts a wide net so no i doubt. know they're but gonna yeah. be like that's the asshole oh my god <laughs> that's right i remember so, yeah, so things go wrong on the road, for sure. Yeah, uh, it, it's always, like, not just while you're driving, but also, like, once you get out of the car, the weirdest shit happens. Um, so tell me about this crazy road trip that you sent me, this very <laughs> long seven-page... <laughs> Write-up on? <laughs> yeah. All right, so, yeah, for those, I guess for the listeners, um, I think I put something up on Twitter with just a photo of... Myself in this old car, I mean old car, I say old car and it sounds like a classic, but it was just an old piece of shit, 1989 Volkswagen Golf diesel. Um, I put it up on on Twitter and saying this was like me and my Hunter S. Thompson phase. 
And uh, I think you had responded saying we should absolutely do a podcast um, on this. And I was like, all right, I'm in because let's, t- let's talk road trips. Hell but yeah. uh, so when I was like halfway through university, I took a year off just to work for the year to try to pay down some of my debt. And I didn't want to just work all year and then go back to school. So me and two buddies started plotting out this uh cross North America road trip that we thought we might take. So I, um, yeah, I worked, I started this, the year long absence from school by working at Labatt's breweries, uh, in the, uh, like in the, in the warehouse doing the graveyard shift, which was sort of like a dream job working with beer for three months. Um, and then I got a more legitimate job working in the stock market. Uh, so I did that, made a decent amount of money, was able to pay back a bunch of debt. And then we took the last six weeks of the summer and me and, and one buddy um, started off by driving uh, to so – we started in Pennsylvania to at this car show that my dad always took us to growing up. So we saw a bunch of buddies there, then made our way to Memphis, uh, spent some time in Memphis, and then went down through Mississippi uh, to New Orleans. Um, I had uh, – in Memphis, it was funny. It was just me and a buddy. We had, our third buddy was going to fly into Vegas and meet us, and he was going to join us from there. But in Memphis, uh, we met these two uh, young ladies. I should say I was 23 at the time. My my buddy was also 23. We were both very single with no prospects whatsoever of having a girl ever talk to us. But we uh, we met these two young ladies in say, Memphis. You definitely had the 90s look going based on oh, that picture. Oh, for sure. For sure. It, no, we had the no 90s judgment, look going. <laughs> Yeah, in the year 2001, which is probably why we had absolutely no luck with the ladies. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, – we met these girls who were doing the same thing. One, 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 one girl was from England. The other was from, I think, New Hampshire. And um, they were just sort of traveling aimlessly across the U.S. as well. So we actually wound up bumping into them a couple other times uh, throughout the course of, of our road trip, which was pretty, pretty neat. Oh, that is so National Lampoons, like the girl in the red convertible. Yeah, just friends. No no romance between us and the ladies, but it was really interesting to run into two other people doing the, the same thing we were. But um, anyway, from Memphis, we drove uh, down through Mississippi. I had all of these designs on finding some mysterious blues bar that we, you know, we might be able to go and see some long-lost blues artist at that I, absolutely did not materialize <laughs> so we tried Actually, if you want that chicago is the place to go but go on oh i know yeah i've done a few few road trips to chicago yeah the kingston mines and chicago blues it's a great great spot to go yeah. um yeah but we wound up in new orleans which i had never been to at the time and new orleans back in 2001 was a, a much different place than it is now it's just what time of bef- year was this Oh, sure. Yeah, we start we left in later August. So it was like the last couple of weeks of July and then and then all of August we were on Ooh, the road. That's um, a and I, hot New Orleans moment. New Orleans in yeah, late July is quite it's quite something. But I should yeah, I should mention this is like before it's hard to remember what it was like, but before anybody had cell phones, um, before you could have really access to internet. I think the only time we found internet is if we like stopped into a public library while the car was broken down. I was going to um, say, like when it came to the driving, I, I feel like we're that, at that age where it's like we're, we, we're at that age where we're old enough to remember maps but also get lost without Google Maps now. 
What did you use to direct yourself? Did you use like MapQuest? Did you have to stop at gas stations for maps? Yeah, like every time we'd come into a new state, it's like, all right, let's let's buy a map and see where we're going. We had like a loose idea of where we were going, but it was just total old school look at the the paper map and then read the street signs and try to <laughs> try to get where you're going. So amazingly, we we never got too too lost, although. If you don't really have a destination, I guess you can't really get lost. So we we were we were pretty good with our directions. I mean, but, you're um, going nowhere. We're going nowhere. Yeah, see where the where the road takes us. Like we thought we were 100 percent trying to relive on the road. Um, <laughs> I think my my buddy Skeeter was reading it at the time, and so you know that that was his reading material to try to give us inspiration. But um, I will yeah, say we, that we, we definitely did that in our first early road trips. We actually kept playing uh, a recording of Howl. Also, oh, there you go. Every time. That's awesome. Um, oh, I should you. I mean, I guess you had the luxury of playing things um, on your car stereo. I should mention that the car we were driving in. So it was a 1989 Volkswagen Golf diesel. So spewing out black soot <laughs> everywhere we went. I'm imagining we like a rattling noise too. <laughs> oh, we would kill for a rattling noise. It was just like it sounded like a bus. Um, we started the trip. Well, I think it had 415,000 kilometers on the car, which is like 200 and don't quote me on this, 257,000 miles. And it was just, there was like no way this car was going to make it. Um, and it didn't have a tape deck. It did not have a CD player, obviously. So we were sort of left at the mercy of the radio. So when we talk about a soundtrack, it's like whatever was playing on the radio in the summer of 2001 is what we were listening to for better or worse. And oftentimes it was for the worst, but, um, so yeah, we we couldn't listen to Howl, but we were listening to the radio, whatever it was on. Um, but yeah, I feel we like made that it. That would have confused the shit out of me. Like with each state, you then have to find like the right radio station that fits you. Yeah, absolutely. It was always great if you could get like a college station. They played great music, but otherwise, it was uh, it was top forty. There's a lot of mm. a lot of Sugar Ray, uh, a lot of Janet Jackson, you know, a lot of Nelly Furtado. Um, but uh, you know, we did what we could. Uh, which, what else should I mention about this trip? Oh, yeah, we, me and my two buddies, there's probably no three people who know less about cars than the three of us. Like, we were just, we had no idea what we were doing. If the car broke down, we're just, we're, we're sort of left to the um, the generosity of strangers to help us out. So when we, <laughs> on the f- second full day, uh, got up in the morning, we're dry, we're like uh, 90 miles outside of Memphis, just stopped to get gas, check the oil, put some oil in the car. That's the one thing I knew is like keep lots of oil in the, this beat up old car. And uh, so closed the hood, got on the highway, and we started driving down the highway to Memphis. And straight out of that movie Tommy Boy, I guess I did not secure the hood, and it just flipped up and smashed the windshield. We're like driving down the highway, <laughs> can't see anything. Hundred percent thought we were gonna die. Eighteen wheelers whizzing past us, so we managed to safely get to the shoulder, and the windshield was cracked, like in like three distinct (laughs) parts. uh, If you're going to ask my favorite road trip movie, that was gonna be the answer. Tommy Boy. Oh Oh, yes, absolutely. That is uh, that is definitely top five for me. But that was um, so that is that was the ominous beginning of our trip, and the windshield did not get repaired. I can tell you that it just stayed that way for the entire trip. So that's sort of who we were. Yeah. So um, 
anyway, so that was sort of the car. Yeah, we made it to New Orleans. New Orleans was such a different place in 2001. Um, a lot more lively then than it probably is now. Yeah, no one had no one had a smartphone. No one. There's no social media, so people were. Um, a little more liberal uh, on the streets than they probably are now. So that was super eye-opening for two uh, Canadian guys who had never <laughs> been anywhere or done anything. That was a pretty wild place. So, yeah, we did New Orleans. Love that. Um, then we drove across um, Texas. And this is how long ago and how, I guess, um, clueless we were. Like, you imagine driving ac- across Texas. Where, like, I have. Where's the first <laughs> – you have all right. What was like the highlight? Where was the place you like? Okay, you're you're in Texas. Where do you have to go? Okay, my favorite place was Austin, but yeah. first place I went was to uh, Dallas, and that was on a whim. That's when I actually got caught in the flash flood on my way there. Oh wow! Um, in Arkansas, we literally just went there because we wanted to get In and Out Burger. Like we were just crazy. Nice. It, so did you find one? Oh yeah, it was the closest one we could find, and we we're like, <laughs> nice. all right, let's just go from Chicago to In and Out Burger and. Then we went back. Oh, my gosh. That is great. So, but this is how clueless we were. So, 2001, no internet, no social media. We're, like, driving across Texas. It doesn't even cross our mind to go to Austin. We just, like, went to Houston, caught an Astros game, and then drove to El Paso because we had a buddy's girlfriend who was going to school there at uh, UTEP. Uh, so we just completely bypassed Austin, <laughs> drove to El Paso, and then we got to El Paso, and um, the young lady we were supposed to stay with wasn't there. She hadn't made her way to El Paso yet, so like we just drove all the way there because we had a, a free place to stay, and she wasn't there yet. She decided to stay an extra week with her boyfriend, Big Tommy, so uh, that was a disaster, but we bought uh, bought some cowboy boots in El Paso, and then from there made our way up to Flagstaff in Arizona because we wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. And uh, before I say uh, I should mention this. We're 23. We're, we're, we're idiots, right? We are staying out all night, sleeping in. So every time we like, wanted say, to go do something. Based on the shorts and flip-flops and everything <laughs> that I am seeing in this picture, I, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, hey, what should we do today? We're in Memphis. Let's go to Graceland. By the time we got there, it was closed. Uh, let's go to the Sun Records Studios. Nope, closed. We got there too late because we're sleeping like 2 o'clock in the afternoon every day. Um, we're driving across um, Arizona. And Where were there you is... sleeping? Oh, um, we did hostel. It was mostly hostels. Uh, we had a tent and some sleeping bags. We did a lot of camping. We actually camped in Texas. It was really that was really cool at a place called like the Elephant bugs. Butte State Park. The bugs, yeah, you know, no problem. Um, I'd the be camping afraid was of that. really cool. Yeah, we did a lot of really rundown, sleazy motels where there was probably rampant prostitution going on. But you know, Been fifty dollars a night. Yeah, it's part not of, the part prostitution of the charm, right? part. The staying. No, no, the, the motels, just for the sake of clarity. Yeah, uh, I once but, stayed um, in one that was like half burned down, and we we're like, "Well, oh, really? what are you gonna do?" Yeah, take it. Yeah. Take it. Whatever, whatever. There's a bed. It was Nebraska. Um, what were you gonna do? Oh, Nebraska. That's that's a place I've never been. <laughs> I um, don't recommend it. But go on. No, don't don't put it on the list. <laughs> there's nothing there. Uh, yeah. Um. But anyway, so yeah, everything we'd go to is closed, right? And then we're driving through Arizona, and there's this uh, there's a bunch of signs for uh, what's that meteor crater? It's like this giant meteor crater, and it's, it's like outside of Winslow, Arizona. We're like, oh, this is gonna be great. Let's go. Let's go check it out. And we're like. It's getting late. We're like, 
you can't close a meteor crater, right? It's, it's a meteor crater. That can't be closed. This is the one thing we're finally going to get to do. Nope, pull up to the gate. Too late. Closed. Missed that. Too. Like, we literally missed everything. We, you know, when we got to California, we tried to go to Alcatraz. Nope, couldn't do that. Didn't book our tickets in advance. So, anyway, we just we missed every sort of significant cultural thing we wanted to see because we were out all night. But, anyway, we, we got a Flagstaff with the intent of going to the Grand Canyon. Um, so, we, we got in late. Found a motel on Route 66, crashed there, got up in the morning. The car wouldn't start, of course. Like, we're up at altitude, and all of a sudden, the car is not working. So we had one day budgeted to go to um, fly, uh, to the Grand Canyon because the next day we had to drive to Las Vegas to meet our third buddy who was flying in to meet us. So we never, <laughs> everything was closed, everything we were late too late for, and then the Grand Canyon we didn't get to go to because uh, the, car, the car wouldn't start. So uh, we spent the whole day at the mechanic, and then he finally said, like, listen, your car's shot. I don't know what to tell you. He's like, I can boost it for you, but no guarantees you're going to uh, make it. And we said, like, well, would you drive to Las Vegas in this car? And he, like, looked at us seriously, and he literally said, just make sure you have lots of water. We're like, oh, my God. <laughs> okay. He's like, oh, yeah, there's one other thing. He's like, you can't turn on the radio. You can't turn on the windshield wipers. You can't turn on the lights because all of that is going to drain your battery, um, your alternator shot. So, you know, Godspeed. We're like, no problem. We got we to be in Vegas to meet our buddy. So we left Flagstaff at, like, I don't know, 530 at night um, to drive to Las Vegas, which I don't even know. It's a five, six-hour drive. And, of course, 20 minutes in, we're like, well, I mean, we we gotta have, we gotta have tunes, right? So let's turn on the radio. So we turn on the radio, and then and then night starts to fall. We're like, well, we can't drive without lights, so let's turn on the lights. And then it's you know, as we got closer to Vegas, we got to the Hoover Dam. It started pouring rain, and we're like, well, we gotta turn on the wipers. So we we did everything he told us not to do. Miraculously, we got to Vegas. We pull in onto the strip, and we are just like over the moon. We're so excited. It's the first red light we come to, the car just completely dies. Just shuts down in the middle of, I think we're on Paradise Boulevard, completely dead. Every car is honking at us. It's like 1130 at night on a Friday in Vegas. And we're just like, we are the biggest losers in the world. And so our first night in Vegas, we spent like with a tow truck driver trying to get us <laughs> to a place that would take our car. And just a complete and unmitigated disaster. But <clears throat> but we had a great time in Vegas. Our third buddy flew in, met us. And from there, we drove to uh, L.A. and uh, spent three days in L.A., uh, at, at the end of which the first buddy who was with me, with me had to fly back home because he had to go back to school. Uh, and then me and, and the third buddy, whose name is Mike Foley, me and Foley drove up the uh, California coast, um, stopped in in Salinas to go to the Steinbeck Museum, which was like a highlight for me. He's one of my all-time favorite writers. I've so. been to that one. <laughs> you have? Yeah. In Salinas. That oh, was awesome. We, we bought, went to San we Francisco just to go to the Carrack Museum, and then we decided to go down to Salinas. Oh, amazing. Did So um, did you uh, did you like Salinas, the uh, salad bowl of the USA? Oh, I thought it was cool. Honestly, I yeah. just like driving on the coast. Mm-hmm. And ironically, we were in a Volkswagen as well. Oh, nice. Was it in better shape than ours? Uh, I mean, it was definitely newer. It was not ours. We rented it from a Turkish oh, guy. Nice. And I love that um, the license plate just said Vos Vos, and apparently that's <laughs> Turkish for Volkswagen. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so we always awesome. talk about Vos Vos. Yeah, Vos Vos. I like it. Yeah. But when we were at the, the Steinbeck Museum, again, we've got this rusted, beat-up, disaster of a car, and I bought this 
bumper sticker that said like I heart Steinbeck and we just plastered it on the car. <laughs> so we're like two guys dressed in our you know mid nineties attire in the year two thousand and one driving around in the worst car on the planet with an I heart Steinbeck bumper sticker. So a lot a lot of irony going on there. Got a few weird looks from people, but we loved it. Um, but then, yes, we did San Francisco. As I mentioned, we missed Alcatraz because apparently you need to book your tickets in advance. And we didn't even that didn't even cross our mind. But uh, and then from San Francisco, oh, we saw an amazing blues um, artist in San Francisco when we were there. Um, gentleman by the name of Larry McRae, who was playing at uh, the Boom Boom Room, which is um which is a really cool blues bar in San Francisco. I don't even know if it's still there. It was, it was a John Lee Hooker spot. So uh, I'll have to check and see whether or not that place is still there. But um, And then from San Francisco, we drove up uh, the coast all the way to Seattle. We had a, a buddy uh, whose aunt lived in Seattle. She was kind enough to take us in for a few days. Um, and then from Seattle, we went up to Vancouver where we knew some people. Um, and I think I, I wrote you about the, we were supposed to stay with this buddy of ours who moved out there a couple of years ago. And first we met up with a girl we know, and we went to her apartment to sort of get cleaned up. And then we called our buddy and his roommate answered. And, uh, our friend's name was Chris. We're like, Hey, is Chris there? He's like, no, uh, he's not here. We're like, do you know when he'll be back? He's like, he's, he's never going to be back. And we're like, um, what does that mean? He's like, uh, he moved out two hours ago. He decided he wanted to be homeless. And we're like, what? He's like, yeah, uh, I'll give you his cell phone number. We're like, okay. Uh, so this buddy of ours who we're supposed to stay with literally two hours before we arrived um, gave up all of his worldly possessions and moved into the park with his cell phone and a sleeping bag. And then we had nowhere to stay anymore. So it was just Someone like, had like oh. a Christopher McCandless moment. Yeah, apparently. He just, uh, he, you know, he got a message from a higher power and so we ended up but meeting up with him in the park. Phone. He kept his cell phone. He was the only homeless man in 2001 with a cell phone. It was, and he still had a job. Like he was managing a restaurant. So we'd like, and he was like, um, I think he was showering at the YMCA and still running a restaurant. It was just like the most bizarre thing in the world. But he was a great tour guide. I have to say, he took us around the city. He knew it really well because he was uh, walking the streets. So that was a <laughs> unique experience for us. And then we went up into Whistler where we knew some more people and. Spent a night in Whistler, which was pretty cool. And then from there, sort of started making our way back home through Canada. So we drove through the Rocky Mountains from Vancouver to Calgary, which was just this, the most beautiful drive you can imagine going through, like, Kelowna. But um, our car was just spewing black soot. Like, it was just – we had people – we'd be we'd, we'd honestly going, like, 20 miles an hour up this mountain – it was such a steep grade on a highway, and this like the, the smoke coming out of our car was so offensive and ruining everyone's view. Every single person would drive by us and flip us the bird. They were so angry at us, uh, but you know we didn't know what to do. How <laughs> so do you that was feel the car like we were in. you really contributed to global warming with that? I, I, I did. Well, they say diesel is a cleaner burn than regular fuel, but no, that not not <laughs> that uh, not nineteen eighty nine. Um, yeah, we we didn't feel good about that. I'd like it like a mulligan on that one. But, uh, yeah, then we wound up in Calgary um, where we knew some more folks and stayed with them. And people were so nice to just have mercy on us and let us stay with them for three and four days at a time. Um, and then when we left Calgary, same thing. Um, we took the, the car to a mechanic one more time, and uh, <laughs> he, said, he said, I can boost you, and um, you might make it home. Just whatever you do, do not turn the car off because you might not ever get started again. 
And Calgary to Toronto is, I, I don't know, I could probably look it up, but it's probably 3,500 kilometers. So what, sort of 2,500 miles? I really um, appreciate you doing the conversions because Americans were just like, huh? what are you talking about? <laughs> Stick with miles. Yeah. So we're like, all right, let's just not turn off the car for the next two days. So like literally we would drive, we needed to get gas. If you've got a diesel car, I think you're allowed to leave your car running while you get diesel fuel. So we would literally like leave our car running while we're getting gas. If we stopped to eat, we had two keys. We would like lock the door and then keep a key with us, leave the car running, go grab something to eat. It was just like, um, I'd have somebody just, just run in, grab food and bring it back out. Yeah, but you know, I've been driving for like eight hours. You got to sit down somewhere. Um, and then we we wound up in Winnipeg, where my buddy Foley, who was with us on the road trip, he he had a cousin there. We stayed with her. We turned the car off that night. We're like, we got to sleep. So um, miraculously, it did fire up the next day. And then we drove, I think, twenty seven straight hours from Winnipeg to Toronto uh, without turning the car off, and made it home uh, the day before Labor Day. Um, so we could all go back to university and try to <laughs> try to. Uh, slip back into reality so it was um it was quite a trip i must say i don't know what just blew my mind more that that was such an amazing north american road trip or the fact that canadians celebrate labor day we celebrate yeah we celebrate labor day of course i thought that was an except American we spell thing. it we spell it with a u it's l-a-b-o-u-r it's yeah. labor day with a u i definitely knew that like that's how it was spelled <laughs> i was like whoa i thought that was an american holiday got it yeah it's uh it's yeah it's it's canadian as well it's good but it's always it's always a to me it's the worst long weekend because that we we always go back to school the day after labor day in canada i know you guys typically start school in august but we're the day after labor day so it signifies the end of the summer which is always super depressing for me but um yeah and that was so that was the trip we were young we were stupid um but we somehow made it I think it informed our <laughs> much of what we did for the rest of our lives. I know I um was it your I first was solo one? First real one. Yeah, like we done go to visit buddies at university. My uh my brother was at the University of Tennessee for a year, so we went down to Knoxville a few times, a bunch of buddies, but that was the first lengthy lengthy trip. Um and it was it probably is worth mentioning. That was the summer of 2001. So we got home like, oh, was it nine days before 9-11, like the World Trade Center, when just oh, everything right changed, right? News. Yeah, exactly. So it was just like, it was a pretty unique time to get out and, and see, especially um, the U.S. Uh, so super I know, thankful you saw we were able to do that. America when it was still kind of happy. <laughs> It was, it was, everyone, everyone was so kind to us. They really were aside from the people giving us the finger, but that, that was to be expected. We were, we were idiots. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it's pretty funny. Like I, I just started writing a little bit at the time. And so, you know, every time we would have a little bit of downtime, I would send these lengthy email correspondences back to um, a bunch of buddies and wh whichever family members cared about our well-being just to update them. And then there was just, they were obviously entertained by our um, uh, misadventures. So there was, they were sort of clamoring to hear more and more. So it was sort of like the, I'm not going to say the beginning of my, you know, understanding that I may have some sort of audience for my writing, but there, we, we were able to build the, we were able to build a bit of an audience just because we were so outrageously um, 
out of our element and unprepared. So that was uh, that was pretty interesting. And then uh, I, my buddy reminded me of this when I told him I was going to be, uh, you know, speaking to, to you about our road trip. He's like, hey, make sure <laughs> – my buddy Foley. He's like, make sure you tell her that um, when I met my now wife – the first thing I told her was that um, I got bed bugs from one of the hostels we stayed in. So, like that was like his his opening line to his now wife was like, you know, we did this road trip and uh, at the hostel I stayed in in San Francisco I got bed bug bites and you know, somehow that that led them to being married. So I don't know what that says about their relationship, but yeah. So I wanted to ask you um, about your either all time favorite or most formative road trips. <clears throat> Okay, that that that's a lot. <laughs> okay, <laughs> every single road trip I've done has been with my fiance. I think that's actually um, how we actually learned that we were good for each other. So, I I think that really does, by the way, decide like if you're like actually comfortable with a human being. Like if you're gonna like move in with somebody or like try and work with somebody or saying get them in the car with you for a couple hours and see how you last. Because yeah. you find out a lot of shitty stuff. Like, we have one friend who did not last well when we were coming home from New Orleans. Oh, it's really? just like, okay, you really hit your bitchy streak. You need to, like, <laughs> chill. Like, I know we've been in the car for a while. That was before I fucked up the car, by the way. Oh, really? Oh, that sounds like a doozy. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things where everyone was tired. So I was like, I'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> and I was doing so good. I felt proud of myself. I was going eight hours straight, and I was like, I am rocking this shit. And nice. I don't know. I, it's like a huge clank. I still have no idea to this day what I hit. The car was not fucked up. Like, we still had it. We only traded it in because we wanted to get a new car a couple years ago. But I'd like to say that that car lasted us, like, another eight years. Oh, nice. I, I don't even know what, what I fucked up, but, like, occasionally there'd be, like, a weird rattling sound yeah so, something that the car didn't need yes some random thing but it's like you know something was in the middle of the road there were no lights i did the best i could although That's my right. fiance said that i should tell you that like when he woke up he thought that we were all dying at that moment <laughs> nice. so it was something substantial yes it, it was like a huge noise like to the point where even i was like shit did i kill us all and everyone <laughs> in the car woke up and they're like are we dead uh, nice. But to the point where when we looked back, nothing was there. And I was like, yeah. I'm not quite sure what happened. Yeah. Well, that's like what they teach you in defensive driving, right? Like if it's not going to hurt you or the car, you run it over. Oh, shit. You I wasn't taught swerve that. unnecessarily. <laughs> they say like if like if a cat runs in front of the car, not that we would want to hit a cat, but, you know, it's a cat's different than a moose, right? A moose, you swerve the cat, you know, maybe Ouch. you just hope for the best. <laughs> Okay, so moose I would have no experience with, but I've always been curious. I always hear moose wins. Um, oh yeah. Cat, I oh I I'm not gonna. I know you're you're a cat person. No, I, I no, would try no. to stop for the cat. No. I'll I'll admit it. When I was a young driver, I did accidentally hit a cat. Oh no. Did I know. It, uh, live to tell? Did it use all of its nine lives? Oh yeah, I took all those nine <laughs> lives. <laughs> nice. I think that's why I'm so good to cats now. I I'm trying yeah. to build my karma up again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a good practice. Yeah, I'm just looking at my cat right now, and she I feel like she understands. Like, you bitch. Yeah, <laughs> right. 
But no, formative road trips. Okay, so the very first one was um, straight 36 hours from Chicago to San Francisco. Because we're in an on-the-road phase. I was like 21. My fiancé, boyfriend at the time, was 22. We also had our friend who was originally going to be in the car with us. Um, but he w- ended up going separately because we got separate times off from work because we all had different jobs. My boyfriend actually just quit his job. I wanted to keep mine. I was like, I can only have these weeks off. And my friend worked at a bookstore, and he's like, I can get these things off. And we're like, well, that's not going to last. We'll just meet in San Francisco. And I actually used part of this road trip story in my uh, most recent book. But... Um, in reverse, because in my book I have it where they're going from San Francisco to Chicago, but other way. We, yeah. I, I don't know what the term is anymore. It, it's not Craigslist or sign. There was actually like an internet thing where like, it's not hitchhiking, but you know, like you can give strange, like not ride, ride sharing, sharing, but like, yeah, like you get together with other people. Um, so we went to Iowa, we took a bus to Iowa and met up with these two guys who were driving back from school, like to home. One of them was in Berkeley and the other one had to go to San Diego. And these were just random guys you found on the internet? Yeah. Random guys. This is amazing. I know. This is totally before, like (laughs) you really have those good judgment years. We have discussed this, my fiance and I, about like all of the things we did around that time. Like, we did a lot of ill advised shit. If you yeah. didn't, did you really have a fun life? I don't know. No, when you're that age, that's what that's what it's for. So they had a really beat up um, minivan. I have no idea what kind of car it was because I don't know cars either. But I know it had a rusted hole in the bottom. And when they looked at us, they were like oh, you have bigger backpacks than we thought. And, like, we were just like, what's that got to do with it? And then we looked, and it's like, oh, they packed all of their college shit into the car. And they're like, well, we're just going to have to figure it out. Just try and fit how you can. So I, I have pictures. It's almost like us doing Tetris in the car, trying to, like, figure out how to, like, mold into different spots. And we did all 36 hours through. Um, we didn't stop to sleep anywhere. Um, oh my gosh. Slept in the that car. Is, We'd get food. That's it. That is straight up Kerouacian. That is wild. That's like, oh, you want fucking Kerouac. We didn't have a plan at all <laughs> with this road trip. Not, not even in the slightest bit. So basically we asked the guy to drop us off, um, I think it's actually called the Beat Museum. We were like, drop us off around here. We didn't realize that we were going to get there around 2 in the morning. And, you know, we didn't think at all because we didn't have a place to stay. (laughs) Like, we just were like, we want to get here. We didn't think, where are we going to sleep? And immediately we found a hostel called the Green Tortoise. And they're like, you could check in at 11 a.m. And we're just like, what the <laughs> fuck do we do now? And they're like, well, you, you can, you know, check out the streets of San Francisco, which I'm sure <laughs> if you have been to San Francisco, it's not an all-night city. I don't know what it's like but now, but back then, no. 
Oh my gosh! Like, and what, what year was this? this? It was closed. Um, this would be 2012. Hey, okay. that's another fun year, you know, because everyone thought the world was going to end. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we There's had a movie fun. Called 2012. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. I, I like end of the world <laughs> movies. Oh yeah. But no, so we ended up just kind of wandering around and being like, let's check out this in the morning and that in the morning. And then we ended up literally sleeping on the docks. And like, oh, really? You know that like we were high tech though, because we both had iPhones. And this is like such a white privilege moment. I was charging my iPhone right by the dock and I had it like kind of behind me to make sure that like, no one would like steal it. And I kind of like got kicked by a security guard and they're like, you can't sleep here. And I just like backed away and I was just like, I'm just charging my phone. (laughs) And they're like, Oh, all right. Be careful. Uh, Yeah. They're like, Hey, there's another homeless person with a cell phone. You know, we, we saw that guy in Vancouver. Exactly. He's just like, Oh, you have a really nice cell phone though. (laughs) Wow. That is, that is wild. It's a good, good place to be homeless. Yeah, I mean, mm, no. They do have, like, in Berkeley, a place called People's Park, and that's where most of the homeless people kind of stay. But it's terrible to be homeless there now. Yeah. (laughs) All the Silicon Valley bros. But I would say that's probably the most formative. Um, That would be the first time I had a really bad high. Um, We were hanging at Dolores Park, I think, is where it was. And... There is this guy who, I shit you not, he had a Yelp page, too. And he was Jamaican, and he had a copper pot full of weed truffles, and he would sell them to people in the park. I really admired the fact that he had a Yelp page, personally. Yeah, he's legit. Yeah. And we're like, let's get some of those. And being that age, you never ask, how many should I eat? You just eat them all. And, yeah, like, we just gave, like, whatever portion he gave to us. And He's like, no, that's for the week. Yeah, and, like, by this time, we had already met up with our friend, and my friend was, like, straight up committed to that lifestyle. Like, he had long hair, a beard, was playing literally, like, just a mandolin in the park. Other friend was smoking a hookah. And it was just like, and he was a professor at Berkeley. And it's like, all right, we've all committed to this. But um, they're about to leave and we started to eat our things. And luckily they did not leave (laughs) at that point because our high hit us very slowly. And it hit us while we were crossing the street. And I know, I was just like, this is not hitting, this is not hitting. And then I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) and we went to this really cool tea shop and we're like we're gonna ride it out here and i don't know like we thought we were there for like 30 minutes or something and then we just looked at the clock and we're like two it's been two minutes so (laughs) we just left money on the table and left and we're like let's hope we find his name was patrick let's like let's find patrick let's see if he could help us it was, it was Patrick, uh, your um, pharmacist? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's so sad. I don't know Patrick anymore. Um, that's what happens with the road trip buddies. But um, 
he did. He did help us. He was trying to explain it to Berkeley professor dude. Like, these are my friends. Oh, really? They are very, very high. I am so sorry. <laughs> I need to figure out how to help them. And this is so terrible. We were moving from a different hostel, so we had to get our stuff from one hostel to another hostel. <laughs> so they had oh, to help us move our stuff. And my fiance, he wouldn't even leave the car. So my friend Patrick like was like, all right, show me where everything is. And I was like, you are expecting far too much out of me. But <sighs> completely incapacitated. We made it. We got all of our stuff, I think. And they got us to our next hostel and we hung out in the morning and I totally lied about how high we were. And I was like, that was a funny oh, night. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that again. Exactly. Like at that point, we're at like Cafe Med. And we were just like, we're just pretending this never happened. We're never going to speak of it again. Yeah. And oh my now we're learning, you know, that, you know, Patrick and my fiance and hopefully none of them never actually listen to this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they do. I am sure they do. Um, so let me ask Patrick. He's your friend who had a different work schedule. Yeah, he worked at a bookstore. And that was, like, probably the trippiest thing I loved about him because he always got us free books. He had in his car a trunk full of books. and Oh, nice. He called it Charlie's Library. I don't know why he called it that, but if you mentioned a book and he had it in that trunk, he'd just give it to you and be like, here. That's phenomenal. You should read it. So. Did he drive out then? Like, he just drove at a different time? Yeah, he took his car, and he went straight through, too, and he was going solo. Wow. I was impressed as shit. Oh, my gosh. So how long were you guys in San Francisco for? Um, a couple months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was pre-Silicon Valley uh, hype. I mean, there were, obviously, like, my fiance is very, really into tech, so we did visit the Google headquarters, and we saw, like, the Apple... Uh, office they didn't change it to the infinite loop thing if you look at my uh, twitter account i jokingly always say that like our tv is infinite loop it's named infinite after loop, that yeah but it's actually oh, because that's our wi-fi name <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah but so we were we were forced to like go visit the tech ship but i'm sure it's very different now i haven't been to san francisco since but I don't know. I, I would say that that was like my that was my first real road trip. My most formative though had to be like a couple years later, where we went from our place in Chicago, which was a really really shitty studio, and we went. I think the goal was to make it all the way down to like Southern California. We made it to Portland and then turned back. <laughs> Oh, really? And we took, like, oh the gosh. route that, like, took you, like, up through Seattle, and we, like, went through, like, Yellowstone and everything. So that, it was fun, oh, wow. but, like, we even had the bright idea where, like, you know what? Let's not even, like, stop. Let's just go from Yellowstone to Seattle in one burst and see how that goes. As, like, I'm then suddenly, I, I have already been that person who fucked up the car and everything while everyone was asleep. <laughs> And I was trusted again to drive through the mountains in the middle of the night. And I was like, you guys have not learned your lesson. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's um, – I think that's one thing with age that we maybe don't do so much is drive all night unless you absolutely need to. It's like uh, – mm. 
you know, let's see if we can see some of the scenery here, you know, and not drive off the road. Yeah, same here. I mean, yeah. we we uh, did a road trip recently, and we, we stopped every eight hours. Yeah. We were like, <laughs> that, all right, let's find a place that's to chill. My parents, that's my parents' schedule. <laughs> all right, it's 4 p.m., time to shut it down. Yeah, it's like, let's get dinner, let's chill, we're done. Yeah, enjoy it. Like, we went That's to Columbus, awesome. and that is not a far drive for us at all. And Columbus, Ohio, or Columbus, yeah. Georgia? Columbus, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. That's not a long drive for us at all, but we were just like, okay, let's shut it down now. That, that was exhausting, that six-hour drive. <laughs> right. Took a lot out of me. Yeah, I know. Start our relationship with 36 hours a couple weeks ago, six hours. There you go. That's the progression. It's it's funny you talk about like hey that's a great way to get to know someone is on a road trip. It's uh it's so true. I mean you're in this confined space, right? And um you're I mean certainly back in 2001 there was no uh no devices to be looking at. So I know guys are notoriously not great at talking to one another. You always need like some sort of intermediary. And uh, a windshield is, is a great is a great intermediary. So it's a, it is definitely a great way to get to know someone because you're just you're there to listen to music and talking. So, um, yeah, that's 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 a good way to, to do it. I would say that we really never spoke that much during our road trips. We really listened to music a lot. The first road trip, though, to San Francisco, that was a beater. Uh, it only had a tape deck, which we're pretty limited to because we're millennials and we don't really have cassettes. So we're pretty much a slave to whatever cassettes we could find and then whatever was on the radio. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's so funny. You talked about being in San Francisco, 2012. That's only 11 years after I was there. And you guys had an iPhone and it's just it's amazing how rapidly things changed. Like there, the iPhone wasn't even invented in 2001. Right. I, I wanted to ask you about like how you were mentioning cell phone and emailing like your family. What were you using? Uh, a computer in the library and a hotmail account. <laughs> like literally that was, that was it. We did. I didn't, I guess I knew some was people. Dial up. Uh, that is a great question. I, I don't know. Like, I, I knew people who had cell phones in 2001, but not, not everybody had one. Um, I certainly did. I think I, I was one of the last people I knew to get a cell phone. I didn't get a, a cell phone until, like, 2004, 2003. But, um, yeah, it was just. We got them around the same age. Yeah. I mean, same, <laughs> same year. year. I not, was, not the same age. I was 14. Yeah, and I was, you... I was 25. Yeah, that sounds about right. Because uh, before that, I was just, like, using the pay phone outside of my apartment in Toronto. It was very sad. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, we would, like, phone home every now and then just to let our parents know we were alive. And, like I said, whenever we found some time, we would just go into the library and send an email. Like, that was that was it. So it was such a different time. It's, it's sort of hard to wrap your head around it, but it made for some nice um, encounters, some nice human interaction. Cause that's, that's how you had to do it back then. So I was going to ask you, are there, is there like a dream road trip that you haven't taken yet that you'd like to do? I want to do a Southwest one. Yeah. Yeah. So where I would mean, you, we have been to the Southwest, yeah. but like, I want to definitely hit up definitely more of Texas. Cause um, we really kind of stuck to like the cities. Yeah. And I don't know. We really want to do Arizona and New Mexico, shit like that. 
Yeah, nice. I, you, the U.S. is without question the best place in the world to to road trip. So, you guys. Uh, That's what I have learned all there um, during our first road trip, and we met the other people at the hostel, and obviously most of them were not from America. And that's, I guess, what most people who come to America do is they come here for the road trip experience. Yeah, which is something yeah, I guess we all take for granted, right? It's like, nice. So do you have, I was going to ask you about road trip books because I was just trying to get my list down. Do you have like a top three, top five road trip books? And I would, I would exclude, for me, I think we have to exclude on the road. I mean, that's on everyone's oh. list, right? I mean, you're allowed okay. to say it, but. It's got to okay. be on everyone's well, list. This is going to be. Um, I really like Into the Wild. Yep. Um, Blue Highways. I don't know. Let's think. What else? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Does that count? See, I had that down. That was going to be my big hot take is I don't think that's – there is a road trip in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but to me that's more of a Las Vegas book than a road trip book. That's just – that's my feeling. Yeah, I can vibe that. But the, but the, road, trip, the road trip scene is – out of this world like the first half of fear and loathing is unbelievable it's so good but yeah so we'll give you i don't know one. what are yours so i yeah so I, I like i said on the road i think that's on everyone's list and then travels do with, we have to get rid of anything with kerouac it has to be off the list no no just on the road is the and you know it's, it's you don't have to get rid of it but that's just like a given like you know on wheel of fortune where they give you a what is it they give you e. that's like on the road and travels with Charlie. They're are, they're on everyone's list. We'll just keep them there. Um, oh, we could also throw some Steinbeck yeah. on there too. Yeah. So I would have. I've got the Grapes of Wrath. It's funny. Like I, I said at the beginning, like when I think of road trips, I think of like joy and like you know, searching for something and you know laughs and great times. But then all the road trip books I love are sad and uh like people, I was people about to say I just remembered another another road trip book that I recently read that's actually really good and it's by someone in our own literary community um teenagers by, yes uh, is that Bud, Bud Smith? Smith yeah I have not read that yet but that one sounds like it would be right in my wheelhouse it's a quick read too yet? like you get excited yeah it's fun yeah but, but also they're running away from something, and there are some pretty sad, fucked up moments. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's the um, revelation I had in trying to put this list together. But um, yeah, Bud, if I'm not mistaken, is a Springsteen fan, if I recall yes. correctly. So yeah, I mean, I think he's from Jersey. Yeah, I think we'd have. I think I'd like his book. Um, but yeah, so my all my road trip books that I love are are sad. Like, um, there's a book. Um, by Neil, do you know Neil Peart, who's the drummer from Rush? Um, mm -hmm. I should mention I don't I don't particularly like Rush as a band, but Neil Peart is an amazing writer, and um, I don't know if you know his story. He has like the most tragic. Well, I mean, he's, he's he's no longer with us, but he had the most tragic life. Like his um, his daughter um, was killed in a car crash, and then his wife died a year later, and so he just sort of is trying to figure things out. So he just got on this motorcycle. And traveled all around North America and Central America, and he wrote this book called Ghost Rider about that journey. It's it's just amazing. It's heartbreaking and it's it's really powerful. But it's just a great great road trip um, book. So that one I would highly recommend. Um, you mentioned Steinbeck, The Grapes of Wrath. Uh, obviously, great road trip book. It's like I didn't. I always think like. 
again, I want my road trip books to be happy, but <laughs> all the best ones are not. So haven't you noticed that like the books are always having like some fucked up, depressing thing, but the movies are always funny. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I would definitely want to do our our top road trip movies for sure, but because um, <laughs> those are great. But yeah, so Grapes of Wrath for sure. Um, good Chicago sort of book, Chicago writer um, Dave Eggers. You shall know our velocity. I don't know if, if you've read that one. Um, that's a, that's a great read. That's got a little bit of joy in it, but also a lot of, a lot of, a lot of sadness. I'm say there, there's some sadness. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, a book. I just finished rereading it by a, a Canadian writer. Who's also a musician uh, by the name of Dave Bedini. Um, and he's got a couple of really good road trip books, but the one is, called the Tropic of Hockey, where he travels around the world just trying trying to join pickup hockey games and seeing where the game of hockey has sort of reached all around the world. So he goes like to the uh he goes to China and to the United Arab Emirates and um where else? Like Transylvania. He's all over the place. So that's that's a really cool book, uh beautifully written. And then I think my fifth one um is the Springsteen autobiography Born to Run. Um, he's just got some amazing road trip stories. Uh, he, you know, that one you mentioned about driving to San Francisco in one shot, like they do that, like almost, you know, when they're getting started, they do that like every year. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's just wild what these guys did back in the day. So, um, those would probably be my, my top five road trip books. Again, if we're not counting on the road and travels with Charlie, which are on everyone's list. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of like there any other ones that I'm really into. Like, I'm I'm looking at my Goodreads page. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Like, I I definitely have a list, but they're buried. Yeah, and it's fun. Like, yeah. I'm, I was I was doing the same as you. Like, look at Goodreads because I'm just trying to. I thought I knew so many, but then when I thought about it more and more, I'm like, maybe I don't know so many. But like, you could say Lolita, but I don't know. To me, that's not not so much a road trip book. Um. There's a book by like as you said, there are so many stories that have like good road trip scenes. Yeah, but the whole book. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then is like, do you need? Does it need to be on an actual road to be a road trip? Because I was thinking like, is the crossing, um, McCormick McCarthy, like that? There's a lot of traveling, but it's on a horse. I don't know, Huck Finn, right? Huckleberry Finn. They're on a raft. Heart of Darkness, they're going down the Wait, river. Then thing like adventure story. Yeah, then? it's not really a road trip. I think you have to have a road, right? There's got to be some sort of motorized yeah. uh, transportation. There's got to be. Well, hey, they got steamboats. Yeah, in Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, that is true. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so those. Sorry, I live off the Mississippi. I know, <laughs> right? You know. So those would be those would be ones, and then and then you know my book, uh, I I've heard uh, there's a lot a lot of road trip elements in that the in the recalcitrant stuff of life. So I remember, uh, someone told me it's like it's like planes, trains, and automobiles and ayahuasca. So there's a little bit of road tripping in that one, but uh, yeah. So those would be my top five with a couple honorable mentions. I like that you added yours. Nah, I mean, you got to plug it right if you like hey, road I trips. Mean, my book had. A road trip. Um, I cut half of the road trip out because I didn't want it to be just a road trip book. Yeah, but road so, trip yeah. books are fun, you know. And maybe maybe you repurpose that other half. You know, I wrote that whole like half um, when I had an edible. Oh wow! <laughs> that we took home. 
Nice. Hey, we, we drove back home, and it's not hard to, you know, bring weed with you from California. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Chicago. I wrote it in one night. Oh, wow. That is awesome. Drugs. They're a wonderful thing. They, they have their place, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I would never do it now. makes me paranoid. But no, yeah. I can't. I can't touch that stuff the last time. Yeah, no, I, I can't. I'm too old for that now. I can't. Can't touch it. Um, I was at that point where last time I was so paranoid. I was just like, I tried to do what you do when you're drunk and make yourself throw up. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't work. (laughs) No, it does not. Oh, man. Um, All right. I want to hear some of your favorite road trip movies. I feel like we're going to have a lot of crossover here. Okay. Road trip movies on the infinite loop. Let's do it. Okay. I can't limit it. It's so hard. Obviously, there are um, movie adaptations of On the Road and Into the Wild, but they're not my favorite. I mean, we got through, like, Tommy Boy. We have our uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Hell, yeah. Um, I think your story about, like, your broken-down uh, car that, like, you couldn't, like, turn off and everything that kept making me think a little miss sunshine uh yep i got that on my list too <laughs> <laughs> i mean I, I don't know do we count easy rider yeah oh, you can yeah absolutely i did not have that one i, I didn't go back that far that's a great call yeah I, I definitely have like some i don't know how about almost famous can we count that that is absolutely if that's like number three it could be number one that i, I rewatched that movie like three months ago and I hadn't seen it in 10 years and it is awesome. That movie is so great. So yeah, that's um, a road trip I'll movie. also throw Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. Um, God, there's so many. Have you just, oh, can we, can we put Texas Chainsaw Massacre on there? You can, I mean, it yeah, is you the can. reason. I have not seen it. I can. I, am I going to get kicked off the podcast if I tell you I haven't seen that movie? No, I'll just judge you. <laughs> but I'm going to recommend a TV series though that's out and it is entirely um have you seen poker face no i've been meaning to get to it yeah whole thing she's on the road really? Natasha Leon, on the run it is like it makes you think of like when you're young and doing stupid shit on the road is really great awesome all right poker so i face. recommend that beautiful all right, I'll, I'll give you a couple more that are on my list. I think we've already mentioned. For me, number one, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, without question. It's such a great road trip movie. Uh, another Chicago tie-in for you. Um, Dumb and Dumber. Um, oh, wow, phenomenal. I about that. Yeah. I, you mentioned Almost Famous and Tommy Boy and National Lampoon's oh. Vacation, which I had. Uh, there's, I'll, I'll give you a movie that you may not have seen. Um, it's called One Week. And it no. stars, I don't think this is before your time. Did you ever watch Dawson's Creek? I've heard of yeah. it. Oh, okay. See, there's <laughs> generation gap. Anyway, jo- jo- like, it was on when I was a kid. You were I aware mean, like, of I it. I was little. Yeah. Yeah, I was aware of it. Yeah. So Joshua Jackson, Pacey from Dawson's Creek, is Canadian. And th- he made this movie called One Week. And it's about a guy who um, finds out. He's been diagnosed with cancer, and his like fiance wants him to go get treatment, and he says, "No, I'm I'm gonna buy a motorcycle and drive across the country." And it's it's just a really cool little movie, great sort of peek into what Canada is. There's a there's a phenomenal scene with um, 
Gore Downey, who's the, as we've spoken about, the lead singer from The Tragically Hip. Um, it's just one of my favorite sort of two-minute movie scenes of all time. So I don't know where you can find that one now, but it's called One Week. Definitely check that out. Highly recommended. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, what? there's so many. I, I, Sideways, that movie um, about the guys on the wine tasting, uh, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, again, Everyone the, says to watch that. I guess have, I'll have to finally have, do it. Oh, if you not seen it, oh, it's it's pretty mm. it's pretty great. Yeah. As like, I'm googling this, by the way, Texas Chainsaw Massacre shows up. So yeah, it, it counts, of course. It's, it counts. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all these are comedies, right? Like, <laughs> like uh, <laughs> except for that one. Yeah, except for except for. I mean, it could be a comedy, but um, Beavis and Butthead. I also think Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. That it feels like it was marketed as a comedy but it's actually just really sad yeah um even like beavis and butthead is a hilarious road trip movie if you go back and watch that and mm-hmm. um yeah midnight run Smokey and the bandit love those movies did you see that movie um chef with um oh my god i'm gonna forget his name oh the guy from from swingers I was just going to say the guy from Swingers, yeah. even though he's known for so many other, like he's in the Marvel universe yeah. and he directs everything. Yeah. Fuck me. What's his name? Like, it's funny. My kids watch like Spider-Man. He's in Spider-Man. And I'm like, no, that's Mikey from Swingers. Uh, so, yeah. I was going to say what I liked about, uh, I, I really wanted to bring up uh, Swingers to you because I noticed you had Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Oh, yeah. On your thing. Um, John Favreau. John Favreau. Yes. Good and call. he wrote the screenplay for that too. He did wow. for Swingers, yeah. So Swingers, oh my! I, I, I mean, we can maybe consider that a road trip movie. But when we were in Vegas in 2001, we—I've uh, been back a whole bunch of times since, but that was the first time there. And we stayed at Circus Circus again, doing the um, Hunter S. Thompson thing and paying $29.95 a night for a room at the Circus Circus. But the only thing we knew about Vegas was from the movie Swingers, so we were just like um, walking around quoting swingers lines the entire time so yeah just like being completely obnoxious about it so um that's an all-time movie um what else uh the borat movie is a great road trip movie another another comedy Uh, my fiance loves that one oh it's awesome um because he's actually he's speaking bulgarian that's the language oh is he really yeah there you go yeah nice a rain man another great one uh, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to count it, but yeah, I'll go with you on that. One. And then uh, my, my kids, they uh, for a while they were into Alvin and the Chipmunks, and they've got a movie called Road Chip, C-H-I-P, and it is pretty awesome for a kid's movie. I won't lie. So Hey, I was going to say I was so close to adding the Goofy movie. So the, Well, there you go. Yeah, And I got Pee-wee's Big Adventure as well honorable mention fuck yes oh <laughs> that's how you know though like i have older siblings and some references don't like hit with people my age or younger my friend went to san antonio for a conference it was like a comic-con thing and he actually was speaking because he's like a youtube guy and he was like yeah we might visit the alamo and i was like yo go check out the basement and totally lost oh. just like stared at me and i was just like Oh fuck! You yeah. haven't seen that one, have you? Yeah, you either either get it or you don't. I, same thing. I was I had to be in San Antonio a couple of years ago for a work function, and I was with uh, some colleagues, and we went to um, uh, we went to the Alamo, and I made that joke, and it went ev- over everyone's head. So you know, I guess the, just crickets. <laughs> guess they don't know Pee Wee. Oh, that movie was great, though. Every bit of it. Oh yeah, Large Marge. 
had nightmares. Oh my God, I was just going to think of that too. God, that's that's classic. I'm adding that onto my list now too. Beautiful. But with Tommy Boy, I will say it's my all-time high. I was just watching that the other day, too. Yeah, it's it's a classic. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm at the point with my kids where, well, I've shown them Dumb and Dumber. I don't think they're quite ready for Tommy Boy yet. But it's fun to sort of relive some of these really? movies. Yeah. Let them have Tommy Boy. I, yeah, it's probably time. They're old enough now. I watched it when I was, like, maybe eight. Oh. I didn't get it all. <laughs> all right. We were watching it the other night, and it was so fun. Like, when you watch a movie when you're a little kid, and then you see it as an adult, and you're like, I did not get that joke. Yeah, like, right. You know, when they're in the motel and all the jack jacking off Yeah, that's. I mean, that's the scene that terrifies over my me. Head. Yeah, that's right. Maybe they just won't get it. Oh, yeah. Obviously, every bit, like, oh, I bet she's dating a Yankee. That's and I'm like, <laughs> didn't get it. You know who my favorite little rascal is? <laughs> Spanky. God, that was so. But I see the only thing I remember is fat guy in a that's little coat. It, I mean, that's that. that's uh, an endear uh, an endearing and an enduring image. That's uh, that's a beauty. Which that's a joke that my buddies and I will do quite often. You know, if we're at a bar and the guy puts on the wrong coat, that's just that's a go to. I would say that to my brother all the time because he was a big guy. <laughs> nice. And I'm an asshole little sibling. So anytime he put his jacket on, I was like, fat guy in a little coat. <laughs> nice. But no, I was just thinking about it right now. Like that movie actually really heavily relates to music. Because if you remember like how like they're flipping through the stations and they both like hate on each other's music and suddenly like what? Don't they just finally like, join in with the carpenters? Yeah, and or start something? crying. Yeah. Yeah. I was like. That, oh wow, that's perfect. Yeah, and that is right when the hood flies up. Like that is, and I can't, I can't even tell you like when that happened to us. We were, the, I think I mentioned in my email, like the Credence, sorry, Credence Clearwater revival song, uh, traveling band came on, and uh, it has a reference about Memphis. And we we're driving to Memphis. We we're like literally singing that song top of our lungs, just like in Tommy Boy. And then the hood flew up and destroyed our windshield and we almost died so there's a lot of a lot of parallels between tommy boy and that road trip we took so um i've been honestly there. the best tommy boy moment is when they sing it's the end of the world yeah because <laughs> yeah, i think that everyone has that song that you like get really into but you actually realize you don't know all the lyrics yeah yeah that's uh yeah there's <laughs> we a few definitely of had me. a lot of that yeah i mean one of the big ones i mean this is definitely probably after your time from road tripping Wild Wild West by Will Smith. Yeah. Came on. Yeah, that that was hilarious. Like we just knew that we just were aware of the chorus, but once he started like going into the rest of the song, we we're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tough then to it was keep like, up. Wild Wild West. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No kidding. But find yourself someone who is willing to sing Wild Wild West with you. That, that's that's a keeper. That's it. Is, was that how you guys knew? Um, was that was that the moment you knew you were uh, going to be married? Bro, I have no idea. <laughs> but I, honestly, I, we don't even know how we started dating. So, <laughs> Right. We just made up a time when we're like, I think today was the day that we our anniversary yeah, is. It feels we're right. going to tell us everyone that day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember we got coffee together that day. That was our first date. That's good. That's uh, That's all you need. Although technically, I think San Francisco was the first state. Just driving to San Francisco. Yeah. That that is 
I think you could scrap the coffee and have that be your first date. That is, I mean, it's a better if story. If it wasn't the first, it was definitely the second. Yeah. I just make it the first. You know, you get to control the narrative. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it was a really fun story. And it's like, hey, we learned through the road trip that we're really good together. Yeah. Perfect. Although, like, a couple times, and that's how you know it's really fun when you're on a road trip, I was like, I'm going to dump his ass when we go home. <laughs> I only have told him that recently. <laughs> and he was like, wait, what? You're going to break up with me? And I was like, you did some things, but that's okay. <laughs> it's done now. And he's like, how many times did you plan it? And I was like, I, I might have written it down a few times. Oh, wow. Here's the letter. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I was like, here are some reasons why. And he was just like, I didn't mean to do that, or that's not what I meant when I said this. And I was like, well, you know what? I took it that way. <laughs> um, I, there's one other question I did want to ask you, because uh, music. Um, have you done road trips to see specific bands? And if so, where and, and who? So I haven't actually really done a road trip that was like, out of my way to see a band I would say like the closest thing I came to that was going to Alpine Valley in Wisconsin to see Dave Matthews band okay and it's pretty memorable because there was obviously a really huge line to get into the parking lot which is huge with tailgating for anyone who likes Dave Matthews band I'm not really a fan that's a family thing but what was hilarious and memorable about that time was that there was a tornado warning going on right before the concert. And like the sky was turning green. It was raining like crazy. We were getting out of our car being like, what the fuck do we do? What do do we do? And the cop was just like, go back into your car. If there's lightning, it'll keep your car on the ground. Something about the rubber tires. I don't know science or weather, whatever. And the next one, I don't know. It's not a road trip away from our house but it was actually a road trip back home we were in denver for a literary thing and there was a pearl jam concert that was going to be at wrigley field it was at wrigley field not hypothetically but i want to say we drove straight through from denver all the way to chicago only to get really slowed down at the last 30 miles because a torrential rainstorm happened and I was terrified we were not going to make it at all so like we're hauling ass and I'm just like I don't care if we can't see it's okay and when we finally get there we find out oh they're actually doing a rain delay and most bands when it would rain like that would definitely be like okay we're done now but Pearl Jam Eddie Vedder he's pretty chill where he's just like I'll come back out when it's done raining and they ended up playing till 2 a.m. Yeah, I think the only the the only band I've legitimately traveled to see is is Springsteen, and when we were younger, I think we, I remember going to Detroit and saying we were going to Detroit Rock City, and my my buddy had a my buddy had like a classic. <laughs> it was like the most um, it just didn't make any sense for him to have this car, but he had a 1971 Buick Skylark, and we we like drove it to Detroit oh to go see Springsteen, God. and it was just it, it just the most impractical thing in the world, but it was it was quite awesome. Uh, and then I I, remember I went to New York City to see Springsteen as well back in the day, which was honestly a little I'll, I'll be honest a little disappointing because. He's playing, it was the Meadowlands, a giant place. 
and everyone's from New Jersey. They've all seen him a hundred times, so there's a lot. Like, no one was really paying attention. They weren't really into the show as much as I had hoped, so that was a, a bit of a letdown. But uh, the show was great, just the crowd was not as into it as I, as I would have liked, so. That happened once when I saw Not the really? show. Yeah. It was one of those, like, they were doing a good show, but, like, the crowd just was like, eh, yeah, we're that's, here. that's not cool, man. Enjoy it. Yeah. It was just, like, one of the quietest bands I've ever seen. Like, they were going for it, and the concert was just like, we're listening. Yeah. We're check ch- yeah. Yeah, check the box. It. Uh, yeah. So any 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 uh, I know you got your dream road trip um to the southwest. What's coming up for you as far as uh roadies? Okay, we just have a lot of weekend yep. trips planned because we have um big stuff planned yep. for the fall. So my fiance he just keeps adding new shit to the list. He's like we're going to go to Minneapolis, we're going to go to South Dakota. He wants to do Columbus again because I ended up actually liking it. I didn't think I was going to like it, but I did. Um, where else did he say he wanted to go? I think he wants to just like he was saying Ontario, like, as in Ontario, Canada. All yeah. right, well, because I was saying in a last podcast, <clears throat> um, with, I don't know if you heard it, that I've never yeah. been to Canada. Yeah, I've never been to Canada, and he listened to it. Oh shit, that is proof he listened to it. <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't start with Stratford unless you're a big Shakespeare fan. Like that's where they, they go see Shakespeare the sh- at the Stratford Festival. Well, that's why we were offered yeah. to go there back when like I was in high school. It was our English class trip, but obviously I yeah. wasn't able to go. Um but yeah, I'd, I'd come, like to come go, to Toronto. But like we couldn't do like Montreal oh, or yeah. something. It's pretty So far. yeah, I mean you could build out a, a I mean, Chicago to Toronto is like, what, eight hours? Um, and then Toronto to Montreal is five hours. So you could do, you could, if you had a week, you could see some stuff for sure. And Toronto is, Toronto's a very cool city. Um, similar to Chicago, um, super international sort of flavor. And then Montreal is like going to Europe. Um, so, yeah, you'd, uh, you'd have a good time. Yeah, Montreal's, Montreal's awesome. As I'm looking at your playlist, I just noticed you have sexual healing on there. No, well, have you listened to that version? That that was a little um I did. Little little version we dropped in there for you. Um, you know. The alternative um uh, covers are the best. Yeah. That's like the, the New Orleans brass band version. It can be your uh, alternative theme song. I actually would love someone to make a sexual healing cover but just say textual healing and that would be the intro. I would love that. That would be killer. Like, if anyone is listening to this and they are a musician of any kind, do it. Send it to me. Yeah. And that will be my intro. That would be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, the brass band thing in New Orleans, you've obviously, I think you mentioned you've been in New Orleans, right? Yeah. Um, I remember being in a bar with my wife, and uh, it wasn't even on Bourbon Street, it was elsewhere. And just in the middle of the raucous bar night, this, like, I don't know, five piece brass band came in. And just did, uh, what did they do? They did Beyonce is crazy right now. And then just like turned around and walked out. We're like, what? It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It was just uh, like a perfect New Orleans moment. So um, big fan of that. I would say they tend to do that there. Yeah. See, I was at a very fun chill New Orleans too. They were happy there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, my favorite were actually meeting uh, the tarot card readers and... Stuff like that. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and drinking hurricanes, of course. The hurricanes, you get yourself into trouble with those. The beignets, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. But my biggest memory, and also it'll again be my fiance's biggest memory, is I got heat stroke. Oh no, really? And I passed the fuck out. Oh no. And it's one of those things where I realized I was about to pass out and I was nowhere near him. Yeah. So I went to try and like go towards him and then I just like went down oh. in front of our entire hostel. Oh. And yeah. And I was like, I think we're done now. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like you see it coming. It's happening in slow motion. And then all of a sudden you're on the ground. It is a slow motion vibe. Yeah. H- has it ever happened to you? Uh, I've not. Passed out from heat stroke, but um, you know, alcohol and uh, <laughs> drug induced, like you sort of see it coming, like slow motion, like a freight train. And it's just like, uh oh, the ground is moving the wrong way right now. And it's just like, how, how did I get here? <laughs> so I've been there. So tell me about this playlist you have. Yeah, well, it's like, is it everything that randomly? Was on yeah, when you're driving? Yeah, with the exception, I think I mentioned this in my note to you, with the one exception, very glaring exception of Drops of Jupiter, which for I have this the irrational um, sort of dislike for that song. So I did not put it on my playlist because I refused to listen to it when we were on that six-week trip, and I refused to put it on my playlist. Um, just <laughs> It's the most absurdly written song I've ever heard. So, uh, that Are there any songs on here that you and your friends belted out? Belted out. Oh, boy. Um, I'm probably ashamed to admit this. When we were we were in Calgary, I think when, like, um, uh, what is it? This is How You Remind Me, the Nickelback song. It, like, we were in a bar one night, and it probably played six times, and I don't think we'd ever heard the song until then. So I think we were just like, wow, this this band, they might make it. Who are these guys? So we probably shamefully, in retrospect, uh, belted that one out, I would say. That was probably, and then probably the Nelly Furtado song as well. That was everywhere at the time. So, wow, that's actually both very surprising ones. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I, I was expecting some of like, I don't know, Guns N' Roses or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. That's that would that's probably what you would hoping expect, but. That you would say the Destiny's Child Survivor because I would find that hilarious. Yeah, or just, it's raining men. It's yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, those are probably the ones that were the the biggest at that time. Um, I'm just I'm looking at the playlist right now. Uh, you know what? Drinking in L.A. Brand Van 3000. We were uh, with the first night in L.A. <laughs> we wound up at some bar on the patio, uh, and that song came on. And I'm pretty sure Brand Van 3000 is a Canadian band, and we just started, you know, made fools of ourselves and, and blasted that one out. So we we're just so happy to be there. When you're at that age, you blast anything out. You don't have shame. That's true. That is true. Which probably relates back to the idea that um, we couldn't get any girls to talk to us. You know, we maybe should have had a little shame. Would have uh, would have had a little more yeah, success. Be you. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Looking at the picture, and this is so sad, but it's because you know, obviously, you're younger. Which one are you? <laughs> uh, let me look at the picture. Uh, probably the uh, most poorly dressed one. Let me let me just. Um, oh, that's not narrowing it. No, again, m- mid-90s in 2000. Let me go uh, take a little look-see here at what I sent. Where is it? Oh, I sent it via email, right? Yeah, you sent me two pictures. One, 
the car with Hunter S. Thompson looking hat. Yeah, that one's less shameful than the other. Yeah, the other one, which one are you, buddy? Uh, let me open this up. Where is it? Oh, my gosh. Sorry. I'm cowboy hat, football guy, or random guy in the middle? I'm definitely not the cowboy hat guy. Um, that was so when we were in uh, El Paso, my buddy bought that cowboy hat. Uh, I am – I'm football guy. Oh, my God. That's such a Your terrible photo. <laughs> Look at that hair and that terrible floral border – not even Hawaiian shirt. Oh, I like that gosh. I called you football guy. But yeah. yeah. It, yeah, that's a Canadian football. It's, you know, it's not even a U.S. football. Canadian footballs are bigger than U.S. footballs. So um, I remember about a that's year a ago. That's a weird flex. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're, they're um, saying for the CFL used to be is our balls are bigger. Um, <laughs> that was like their, their motto. But I remember I put this, that photo, I think I put up on Twitter once. And um, uh, who was it that commented on it? Uh, oh my god, I have to think. Anyway, he just said he asked his daughter what year she thought this photo was taken. She's like, I don't know, 1976. What? Like, nope, nope, 2001. <laughs> like, I would guess 90s, so early 90s, but yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, yeah, that's uh, and the camera thing. So it's funny, like, um, we didn't have a camera, but um. We had like a disposable camera we bought, and my one buddy, when we were at Big Sur, he jumped into the water with it, and we so we lost every picture we had. So, um, the the other guy, Skeeter, had uh, he had a camera, so that's every picture I have, which is just those two, uh, I got from him because all of our other photos got uh, got destroyed. So, um, yeah, that's uh, there's very there little survivors. evidence. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the cool thing, though about your road trips i mean from my first road trip same vibe you actually are in the moment you're not taking pictures the whole time that is true yeah we had to we had to had to be in the moment and try to remember it and then and then i was lucky enough to to write some of this down and send it to to some people and uh, when i went back and reread those correspondences uh to prepare for this there were some things i had completely forgotten uh, so, uh, it's good to have a, a written record of it for sure. And there's, I mean, there's just some things that, that we did and some things that I wrote that I would, uh, you know, I can't believe I was that person you know, when I was 23. And it's so funny cause I'm, when I'm, I'm eight years older than my wife. And when I met her, she was 23 and I just think, oh my God, that person I was when I was 23, <laughs> like, they, oh, it's, uh. Anyway, I'm glad I grew out of uh, a lot of those phases, including the wardrobe phase. Um, oh, you know what it was? I saw I just found what it was. So Mark Henry, who's a, a great writer, I'm a fan of his. He's the one who commented on that photo. He said his, bother, his daughter was born in 2001 and guessed this pic was taken in 1980. And it was taken in 2001. Wow. That's sad. And then my, and my daughter said, oh, my gosh, you look better now than you did then. And that is not a compliment. So that's what <laughs> my 11-year-old said at the time. I'm like, thanks. Oh, oh did, you, did you just ground her after no, that? No, no, she's good. She's got a sassy tongue, um, you know, like her, like her mom. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, I was going to insult your friends, but no, never please, mind. No, please. Oh, you know what? It, please do. Out of that picture, you are the best dressed. Well, that, <laughs> that is an extremely low bar. 
So I, I was gonna say, like, you know, uh, given one's wearing a cowboy hat and insanely <laughs> baggy jeans, like, yeah, that's I think you could fit look. another person in those jeans. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of your other friend's shorts. Mm. No, or those no. the slip-on sandals that I'm looking at now. Mm. Although I guess those are you know back in style if if you're wearing socks and they're Gucci. Yeah, I, I guess for some people. Yeah, not for me. Well, there you go. Skeeter Foley, I'm sure they're going to listen to this and uh, just let their record show that Mallory thought I was the best dressed uh, out of the three of us. So. Yeah, and you know what? Like, I like your shirt, and the <laughs> hair is pretty <laughs> good. You. The hair the hair is quite something. It's funny, though, your friend in the middle, there's no good identifier. <laughs> no. Because I'm just like cowboy hat, football guy, guy in the, the guy middle. in the middle, white shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny. It's the best you could do. Yeah. I'm sure your friends will love this episode. Oh, they're going to, yeah, they're, they're going to enjoy it, I think, no doubt. So I, I, I'm just seeing so many other bangers on this playlist that I would have, like, gotten into, like, singing-wise. I can't believe Lady Marmalade, that was actually, like, on the radio. Oh, yeah. So it's so funny. Like, when I was going back and trying to see what was you know big in 2001 it just seems like a very strange year for music because there are songs on that playlist that sound like they were recorded in like 1988 and then there's songs that sound like they they're from 2018 it's just it seems like there's a bit of a, a crossroads in pop music going on um at that time so yeah lady marmalade that was huge from um moulin rouge so that was a big yeah, song I back never in the thought day that they like had that playing on the radio oh yeah wow yeah what um well fat lip another canadian band some 41 that was big uh and then yeah i would have gotten into island in the sun that's yeah. a good one yeah weezer they were huge alien ant farm like covering michael jackson that that got a ton of play so yeah there was there was some beauties and as I was prepping for this i was really getting into working for the weekend that's right <laughs> it's a lover boy yeah, they, I have the album too. Oh, do you? That's a it's a pretty yeah. classic album cover. Yeah. So and that, it always makes me think of the Chippendales uh, skit for uh, SNL. Have you seen right. that? <laughs> uh, yes, I have. With Chris See, Farley. See, the tie-in. Yeah. With Chris Farley. He's very pivotal to this podcast. And there, there was a, uh, there was a commercial that used to play for. Uh, I shouldn't even tell the story because I don't even remember the name. But it was basically um, about. It was like a stock trading um, website you could use. And uh, the guy in the commercial was, um, I guess he's a waiter. And he overhears uh, one of the guests at the restaurant say, like, oh, uh, whatever it is, like Columbia Music. Of, Do I know Columbia Music? I own Columbia Music because, you know, he owns a couple of stocks for whatever it was, Columbia or EMI or something. The waiter just drops his tray and starts belting out "Lover Boys." Everybody's working for the weekend, and it is. It was just a great commercial back in like 2005. Um, so I don't know See, if anyone that remembers that commercial. That Commercials. Is, oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. So "Lover Boys" everywhere. And I have to ask, when you said Nickelback, you are you ashamed now because everyone hates on Nickelback? Or well, you know. Thing, 20 years is, I think, the right amount of time you can appreciate that song for, for, for what it is. I think I've apologized on behalf of Canadians for a long time for Nickelback. Um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, that one's still a banger, I'd say, you know? You take everything else away and 
standalone. Uh, this is how you remind me. I think I think it holds up. So I'll say that. Yeah, I, but I'm embarrassed. We're listening to music. Um, we listened to your playlist while going for a drive earlier, but then we turned on Rockstar. I like that one. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I literally just admitted to liking a Nickelback song. Yeah. Oh shit. Okay. I think was it was it with with Kirsty you were talking about? What are you embarrassed to to be singing at a red light? I think that Nickelback would be that would probably be the one and only song I'd be embarrassed of of singing. You know, I I found myself driving the other day and I was just turning so many songs like lower. I was like getting into them and I'd be like, <laughs> and Fleetwood Mac isn't gonna be jamming out. Like, not everyone's gonna know. Right. See, now, but the thing about being embarrassed is when, like, when you have kids, I'm at the point where my kids are old enough that I'm actively trying to embarrass them. So if we were to pull up at a red light and their friends were in the car next to us, I would 100% blast whatever song's playing and sing it as loud as I possibly oh. could just to embarrass them. My mom did that. Yeah. <laughs> she knows. She, uh, she drove us to school because she worked at our high school and she loved to, if, like, single ladies or something was oh, playing, yeah. she would blast that shit. It was humiliating. Oh, that is great. That is Especially because she worked at the high school and everyone's just like, hey, your mom's being the dork again. It's like, fuck <laughs> off. Love it. Love it. I've got yeah. the, one of the, one of the uh, dads at school, just for em- embarrassing stories, he, uh, he's got two boys. that One's in my little guy's class, and the other's a year older than my daughter. And on the first day of school this year, when all the kids are sort of on the blacktop waiting to get let in school, and all the parents are there, his, you know, his son is like 13 at the most awkward age imaginable. He just belts out. He's like, Spencer, I love you. Daddy's going to miss you. And it's just like the kid. Just he could not have, you know, if he f- could find a hole and crawl into it, he would have. It was, it was good. So, you know, you got to embarrass your kids. That's why you have them. Yeah, I, think, I agree. I would definitely be that parent. Yeah. Well, we'll see one day if I become that person. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So those things where it's like, you know, never can tell. What if I become one of those weird clingy parents? I hope I'm not them. It gets, yeah. It's possible. You never know. You never know how you're going to react. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll be the embarrassing one, though. My siblings all seem to be that way with their kids. Yeah, it's fun. You got to have fun with them because you know, oh, yeah. there comes a point where they, they don't really want to hang out with you anymore. And that's when you, you know, you just got to let them know that um, you've still got the upper hand. You know what? They're going to want to hang out with you if you keep it cool. Yeah, I think for the most part. Is there anything else that we should talk about? Uh, you know, I think we've covered it. I think we have. Uh, I think we have um, set the bar for all future road trip uh, discourse. Oh, I think we have definitely. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, one other embarrassing thing I'll tell you about the our, our big road trip we did. I, I had a university professor um, of American literature. We spent a lot of time reading Walt Whitman. He's like, if you're ever traveling across America. Make sure you bring your Walt Whitman and read it out of nature. So I had this like big book of Walt Whitman poetry. It's like the, the full compilation, Leaves of Grass and everything else. And so, you know, these times we're camping, just a couple of dudes sitting around a campfire. I'm like, let me bust out the Walt Whitman and, and get into Leaves of Grass. So, you know, I've not done that since, but uh, that was the, the last bit of um, literary All that influence. Music, and that's the banger you that's guys it. do. Leaves of Grass. That's it. <laughs> I, I can't even judge you though because I, I, I actually bring leaves of grass with me well there you go it's, it's timeless it is it's the most it's am- great. American most American thing ever written 
Oh, I don't know if it's the most American thing ever written. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one of the great, like, bring it with you. It fits all the time, I think. Yeah, can't go wrong. But yeah, I think uh, I think we covered it. So um, I'd say just all make right. sure you um, keep us apprised of your road trips. Don't be shy. That was Textual Healing's special road trip episode with Sean McCallum. I hope you enjoyed our weird talk and are inspired to hit the road immediately. But before you do, be sure to check out Sean's book, The Recalcitrant Stuff of Life, and hit up his website, seanmccallum.com. He can also be stalked on Twitter at Sean42McCallum. Everything will be spelled in the show notes and links will be shared. As always, please check out our Twitter, at PodHealing, and take a look at our website, TextualPodcast.com. Show us some love by going on to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review, or subscribe to us on Spotify, or review us on Spotify. I just learned you could actually rate us there. We'll be back next Saturday with an off-the-record episode with Caleb Bethay. This is Mallory Smart. Thanks for listening to the show. (laughs) 